You're listening to Speechless, the new podcast from storytelling experts Marion Pasha and Simon Bucknell. Hit follow now to learn how to tell stories that change the world. One day I remember I was running a public speaking workshop in a school. And you can imagine, right? 30 boys, 15 years old. So for me, it was a dream assignment because what they really wanted to do was spend a whole day hanging out with Harry Potter's dad doing public speaking in their own classroom, right? And the headmaster warned me beforehand about one of the boys. He said, watch out for Steve-O. He can be a little bit challenging, that boy. All right. Well, no kidding, right? Steve-O was a nightmare all day and he was the joker in the class, always mucking around, never taking things seriously, cracking jokes. He wasn't nasty, but it was hard work, let's put it that way, until at the end of the day, each of the boys stepped up to give a speech on a topic of their own choice. And who do you suppose came in to listen to them? At the back, the headmaster came in, back row of the classroom. So up comes Steve-O shabby jacket scuffed shoes and i'm sitting there thinking oh god what's he gonna say when you look at me you'd probably think you're a joke but i'm not probably think dead end kid probably end up in a gang but I won't come on headmaster be honest when you look at me you must think steve-o must be you won't do anything with his life but i will now steve-o wasn't perfect far from it but what he was, was honest. Not just with his audience, but with himself. And I remember sitting there thinking it was like he was looking in a mirror saying, this is what I believe. This is who I really am. And if you could have seen the impact he had, imagine the headmaster's face like chin hits the floor. Because there's me, an Oxford graduate for years going through life thinking, I can't possibly be honest, I've got to be perfect. And yet here's a 15-year-old boy with none of the advantages I had Teaching me is the other way around. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be honest. And as I look back at my life, I thought, have I been that honest? Have you? And that's one of the stories in this speech that you know well, because, of course, it was part of the speech at TEDx London. And, of course, you know, the way I kind of deliver it there, it's, it's, it's kind of, you can tell that it's from a, from a speech, if you like, to a large audience rather than it being literal conversation. But nevertheless, it's a, yeah, it's, it, that's definitely a moment I remember. I've done, well, over the years, i worked with thousands of young people in schools. Boy, I remember Steve-O. That <laughs> was great. So I love that story, Simon, and it isn't the first time I've heard it, but I think is a testament to the story that every time you tell it, I am totally engrossed in it. Um, and if I deconstruct it a little bit. So mm. first of all, let me ask you some questions about it. Yeah. Why did that moment really stand out for you? Like the first time you identified that conversation, what was it that you thought? Like in the moment, did you think this is going to be a great story? Was it that you reflected back? That experience took place in a uh, South London State Secondary School about, well, back in probably about 2011. So it's quite a few years ago. And with young people in schools, I, I saw and have heard and been privileged to hear countless really, really powerful stories and, and experiences and, and speaking performances. Um, that's w w one of the few that I, I still remember years on. So w w what was it? I think at the time I knew that he was doing something very courageous and you could see from the reaction in the room, I could tell, right, this is this is big. But I don't think in my mind I was thinking, oh, wow, this is a standout from all the other things. It was just, yeah, this is this is an important moment for this boy. 
and uh, and there were lots of others over the years working with young people that I that I saw as people took some emotional risk and he spoke obviously with an honesty but but you know the I think actually what made that experience more memorable is something that isn't included in the story at least for me personally right which is that there's there's quite a bit of detail around that experience which I don't include in the story that I've just told in that version I had to cut it which is one of the brutal things about storytelling on yeah. purpose is that you sometimes have to let go of detail that actually is really quite meaningful to you but may not be needed to achieve what you're wanting to achieve message wise so at the end of that day, say 30 boys, they all give a speech. And the way that was set up, this is part of the Jack Petchy Speak Out Challenge. And it's a program delivered in 450 plus schools. And each school runs a workshop and each school puts forward two speakers to represent their school uh, against, or alongside a series of uh, all the other schools in their borough. And for this school to decide on the two, they wanted six to go forward to speak in front of the whole year. Well, I got to decide who the six were. And so obviously everyone got a certificate in there and I was thinking, right, who are the six speakers? And there were five others. And I thought, well, Steve is definitely getting one because that was that was magic. And I deliberately left his certificate till last when I announced the six that were going through to represent their year group. And and actually, I mean, even now I, I kind of feel it that I can remember holding and they knew there was one more person to be announced and the headmaster was there. And I don't remember the look on Steve O's face before I announced it, but when I announced his name, I mean, it was like he had won the football pools. I mean, it was just <laughs> unbelievable. There was cheering in the room. He came up. I mean, he, and, and, and that actually, I, I really, really did feel it then. And I feel it still now. Yeah. Uh, and he went forward as one of six speakers in front of his year group. The year group then voted. He was voted as one of the two speakers to go forward to represent his school. And I went and I did see him at that borough final. Now, just to just make clear, this is this is the real world. This is not a sort of fairy tale. He did not then win in the competition, the borough final, but he got the opportunity to represent his school. And 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 I and I did see him. I went back to the school. I saw him a year or so later. And this I do tell it using the speech um, a little bit further in the speech to say he came running up to me and he literally said, sir, sir, I'm making my first album. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out public speaking isn't his thing, but music is yeah. so so i think that's it was that feeling that really hit me but when i looked at what i wanted to achieve with the speech which was all about being honest with yourself as well as with other people I, it I, I had to focus on what you heard in the story yeah. which was his moment of vulnerability and honesty in front of the audience rather than the fact that he won a top six speaker certificate because actually in a way that that almost belittles <laughs> the importance of what he did and it wouldn't work but but actually that's what made it memorable to for me yeah. so i'm actually gonna so this is so insightful because i'm actually gonna pick that apart a little bit because mm. what you did here is you you became an editor so not just a storyteller but kind of an editor curator of your own experience and i think to just pull this out you asked yourself, and I think when you're a speaker, you have to ask yourself this question, what is my core message? Like, what is the thing that I'm trying to communicate with this story or with this moment? And then be brutal with editing. Mm. So for you, the second part of that experience may have been more dramatic in some ways, um, but actually it's the first part, the part that you did tell yes. that serves your the through line serves the message that you're trying to communicate to the audience yes and i think it's why it's really really important for you to have done that process to have said you know what how do i take this story in service to what i'm trying to communicate rather than let me just tell all of it mm. and 
some, you know, it might land, it might not, because it loses the focus. All yes. of that other stuff yes. is great. I want to hear it now because I'm invested in Stevo, but in the beginning, it's that that the prepared piece that really lands. Yeah. So I think deconstructing yeah. that a little bit is it's quite it, it's quite amazing that that focus. Yes, that, yeah, that's right, and it, it's it's it all comes down to what is it what what's the real purpose for telling the story which of course yes. is the difference between literally just telling stories in conversation where we tell things for the fun of it and just as part of you know, just swapping life experiences and so on versus really telling a story with intent yeah. it, it also i think helps to explain why you know, in everyday conversation the same story related by two different people one can be really funny and one not you know yes. the editing is key and 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 any self-respecting stand-up comedian will will say that you know the, the changing literally one word can make a huge difference yeah. and that pruning pruning honing 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 uh, less is more um, but it is it is brutal and and i think so many and, and i think it, it it is always a bit of a journey to get through uh, the the clutter mm. and to really get to you know to go from a lump of coal to a to a gemstone right and, also, uh, but that but but that but but that's the reason I think that that's what makes a a, a hard hitting powerful story stand out. Uh, it's not that there's necessarily some big spectacular in the story. It's that it's honed down to what to its absolute essence. And sometimes very, very everyday, seemingly ordinary experiences can be hugely powerful, whether it's funny or inspiring or tragic or otherwise, for that reason, because they've been honed right. Yeah. Whereas a spectacular experience with too much fluff around it simply won't have the, right, won't have the same impact. But there's something in what you're saying that I think is important to be really explicit about. When you're cutting and honing and editing, it doesn't mean you're cutting stuff that's bad. Sometimes you can mm. be cutting and editing out stuff that is your favorite bit or, the, or or actually just as beautiful and well told and well written. You know, it's not about good from bad. That's not the right um, metric, right? Absolutely. The, the thing you're cutting is focus. Does this serve the the message I'm trying to convey? And I think that is where people trip up. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yes, it's, it's, it's relevance for the audience. Yes. Not, is this good or is this bad? Brene Brown has this great thing where she talks about writing her TED Talks where she says she writes it, she cuts half of it, she mourns the half that she's cut. <laughs> she then cuts it again in half yes. and then mourns that half. That's, and what yeah, she's yeah. left with is a quarter. And you think about how good she is as a speaker, as a writer, as a performer, and you think that three quarters that she's cut was probably gold, right? Yes. But it didn't serve her message. And I think that if you are someone who is going to speak more and more, you're actually not just developing a skill as a speaker, you're developing a skill as an editor. Yeah, absolutely. I love that phrase you used earlier about the, a curator of your own experience. Yeah. I, I'm going to write that down, Do right? Well, and the good news, of course, is in terms of resourcefulness is that because any experience has multiple dimensions and facets to it, this one is obviously with a case in point. There's what he said. There's the there's the aftermath, you know, on that day. Him then coming to represent the school. My then seeing him a year later. You know, there's a number of different elements, not all of which get told. But but from that, in my head, one single experience, which is my contact with this this young lad of fifteen. There's actually multiple options 
storytelling-wise. And there's also multiple options message-wise. And so I think often people feel like, oh, I've got to have this you know, arsenal of like 100 stories to be a story. You know, you don't necessarily need many. If you've got identified just, say, half a dozen uh, meaningful experiences, they have to be meaningful, that's, that's important for some reason, then you'll find there's always going to be different ways in which that particular experience can be sliced, diced, and applied for good intent. Yeah, in I think of it situation. as different rappers. I was talking to, a, mm. to a student yesterday about this and she had this very powerful, very personal core. And I was like, you don't need to do this like 20 different ways. You keep your core the same, but your rappers will be different depending on your audience. And there's something very powerful if you can hone in on a story like that, that is so meaningful and, and you've worked on it so much that you can actually tell it for different purposes. Yes, yes, um, yes. I want to I want to do some more deconstruction. Mm. Um, so you you know there's this editing and serving the core message. There's some other things that you did there that I think uh, let's let's reveal. Mm. So one of them is repetition. You had, and I always think of when pe when speakers use a, a, a phrase or a word over and over again, it's like the baseline of the talk. Mm. It creates like a beat for the listener, and you were like honest 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 like you know and it it keeps me as a listener going along without feeling like i'm being like you didn't do it so much mm. that you kind of slapped me over the face with it but enough that it felt like a beat in music is that something that you are like is that something that you did like you were clear on repeating that phrase over and over well, again. Well, particularly in the latter stages there, uh, yeah. what he was was honest. And have I been that honest? Have you? Of course, the word honesty is used quite a bit towards the end. Although the word honesty doesn't, it's it's not said by him. No. Uh, it's 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 merely a, a, an outcome or a feeling that, I, or a meaning that I derive from listening to him speaking. So, so I think in the telling of a particular story, in terms of the details of the story, there may not necessarily be a refrain. Of course, where there is an echo in the speech is, is with his dialogue. When you look at me, dot, dot, dot. When you look at me, dot, dot, dot. I think the ancient Greeks would start applauding and say, ah, oh, yes, it's anaphora. It's the echo, <laughs> I mean, repeating of a phrase. Yeah, yeah. We shall fight them on them. We shall fight them. We shall fight them. Um, so, so, so there is, but, but that's, that's, uh, incidental. I think in the context of an overall speech or presentation or you know, when you're putting the story in, in, in relevant context, then absolutely, yes. Uh, you know, the World Championship speeches are typically seven minutes. Obviously, with a TEDx talk, it might be, say, as much as 18, maybe it's less, 15, 12 minutes, 10 minutes, maybe even only five minutes. And, and I think, yeah, the, the, the echoing of just like a chorus line or refrain in there is so, so helpful. And the, the choice of language is absolutely key. And in the full-blown, well, the, that story both featured the TEDx London, as you know, and also was part of the speech um, that, I, that I took to the semifinals of the, the World Championships in 2017. And... And the, the message of uh, you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be honest mm. features a number of times in the speech. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would be in any doubt as to what the speech was about, which is, say, honesty. Yeah. There was something else you did there that I think felt like it really elevated it. And it feels like a, a skill that's harder to master. And so I want to ask how you've developed it, which is dialogue. Mm. Right. There's dialogue in this story. Um and that is much more difficult to do. How do you how do you craft that? Well, the dialogue is, is so helpful, I think, in storytelling. And intuitively, we do it. But the beauty of good dialogue is that even if you don't uh, change the voice at all, still for the listener, you hear the voice of the character rather than the speaker. Yes. And 
and and that's what and it's so it's so different the reporting there's a big difference isn't there between there was a boy who stood up and made clear to people that he actually wasn't quite what they thought he was is very different from you probably think <laughs> you're a joke but I'm not yeah now in, in in the so the crafting of the dialogue I think the key thing is is revisiting the the voice of the character and and in a way I think relaxing into it not yeah. to think too hard. If you, if you overthink dialogue, it's not going to sound real. But many people I've noticed with, with clients I've worked with over the years have, even though they can do and use dialogue intuitively when you know, chatting about stuff, when asked to do it on purpose, find it quite difficult and slip into putting the word that in, you know, said that. And then, of course, you're into reported speech. So it does take a little bit of conscious oh, effort. Oh, interesting. To say, that put a, that, say that again, actually. That's a really interesting thing. So dialogue... Yes, yeah, tell me, tell me that again. Yeah, so so it's 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 colon, open quotation marks. It's not the word that. So Stevo said that he was not going to end up in a gang, doing drugs. He did say that, but that's me reporting what he said. It's very different from Stevo stepped up and said, "You probably think you're going. I'm going to end up in a gang, but I'm not." Now that that there, of course, is dialogue, and that colon open quotation marks close quotation yes. marks. So the word that slips in as soon as that happens, right? That gate, that's the gateway to store to, to to dialogue is to think literally open quotation marks, and it can feel a little bit weird to do that on purpose. See, this is why I think when you are going to craft something like this, that you do have to sometimes write it down and look at mm, it, yeah, because you can easily have the first pass written it in that kind of reporting style. And then gone back and thought, okay, actually, I do want to make this dialogue. How do I do that? Yes, absolutely. Um, because I think that that's quite, I think it's, it really elevates. Whenever I hear someone tell a story and they've got that dialogue in, it absolutely elevates it to yes, another level. Yes, and, and that's right. And, and I think, yes, in, in, as a writing skill, people will typically default to reported speech or to or to just rational summaries and this is featured in my, just in the last few weeks working with a client preparing for an agm yeah and time and again there'll be and this is this is like the polar opposite of talking about a boy in a school these are uh investors talking about particular businesses and their performance and so on and and time and again you get phrasing in in the written more essay-like version of of the story of this business. Comments like that, you know, this was a business where the, the founder was keen to work with a true partner who really understood their business and would enable them to expand internationally and dum da dum da dum da dum da dum da dum is very different from uh, in that first conversation with the founder. It was clear. He said to us, look, I need someone who really understands my business. And I want to go international, but I can't afford to do that with the wrong partner. This is like a very different. Now, of course, one of the one of the obstacles is that when people are in writing mode, often will tend to be in that more rational part of the brain, and therefore we're not thinking really about dialogue, and it would it would seem a bit soft and fluffy unless it's some sort of impressive quote. <laughs> you know, you know, as the great philosopher once said, then I put a quote of dialogue in. But but in in everyday life, we don't tend to default to putting dialogue in when we're writing, and then of course that plays out the speaker notes or the script then plays out in how it's actually delivered. But the other thing, of course, is that people sometimes get caught up on, well, I can't remember exactly what they said, and yes. therefore I couldn't possibly quote them. Well, A, they're probably not going to mind that much. But secondly, as long as the essence of it is fair and true, I think that's legitimate. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm certain that Steve-O did not say, 
precisely the words that I said earlier. Although is the essence of it, you probably think, you probably think, you probably think, but I'm not. He absolutely did say that. And therefore, I'm cool with that. You know, this is not about a literal, you know, word for word detail recollection of a reality. Uh, so that that sometimes gets in people's in, in people's way. Oh, I I don't quite know how, how to position the dialogue because I can't quite remember. This is also valuable, actually. This is that crafting piece. I think that often I you I know you talk about I talk about around how you, you pay attention to these little details, it can really make a difference. Mm. You, know, you have the big picture stuff, which we started with, like what's the message, what's in service to the message, et cetera. But then this is where you really are taking the fine tuning. And I think it's just always so impressive, Simon, to watch you do it. Well, that is, that is generous of you to, <laughs> to say so. But it's, it's quite fun, you know. It's really quite fun as, long, as, as soon as you give yourself permission to just relax into it and enjoy it and say you. I mean, I mean to, for, for any speaker, any storyteller, to, 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 to take pleasure in, in reviewing and assessing and then retelling and relating experience in life. I say, and the, joy, the beauty is that we do do it all the time. It's just about switching on that, that purpose. Mm. Uh, flipping the, the purpose switch and thinking, right, actually, I could do that bit more with this if I honed it in this way or that way. I should say also that with dialogue, it, sometimes it can be used in, in the context of a far shorter story that's seemingly, you know, uh, less spectacular. So so I, I can remember, for example, some years ago, and I wrote, the, the only reason I remember this, by the way, is because I wrote it down. I thought, this is just genius. I've got to remember this. I was on the I was, uh, London Underground. It's about half past 10, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, there was a guy who clearly had too much to drink walking down the platform, and he was—he wasn't being you know, rude, but he was—he was being quite leery. Going, oh, oh, hello, hello, how are you? And then in the opposite direction, I just happened to catch sight of a priest. You could see, you know, dog collar, or whatever, <laughs> coming down the opposite direction. And he said, "Oh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned." Didn't even bat an eyelid. The priest. He simply said, "I know," and kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just brilliant. I just I fell about laughing, you know. And like, now I don't know what the purpose of that story might. I mean, it's just this lovely little moment. I just and it, of course the dialogue is key. You know, yeah, it's not the drunk key. met the priest, and that it, you can't report that. You have to have to show that. Yes. Uh, and you just never know when these things might come in handy because if you've got them in a story file, then you might say just for, for seemingly little reason, reference it in something like say a podcast called Speechless. <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to speechless the podcast from storytelling experts marion pasher and simon bucknell hit follow now to keep learning how to tell stories that change the world and if you enjoyed it please leave us a rating and review until next time speak less say more